All right, all right, all right. Are you going to puke? No, I'm ready for this. All right, you got to close your eyes then. Okay. All right, I'm going to see if I can do it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm your resident expert, Dan Shepard. I'm joined by Monica Mouse. How you doing, Miss Mouse? I'm good. That's good. That's good. That's a good mouse. I would imagine you've already guessed by now from that stellar impersonation that Matthew McConaughey's on the show today. I thought you were going to do the whole thing as him. I didn't know if I could sustain it. That was good. That was good? Yeah. All right, I might duck in and out a little bit. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) You know Matthew McConaughey. Who doesn't? My God, this guy is the most fun-loving, good-timing, wears it all well. Matthew McConaughey is a Golden Globe and Academy Award-winning actor, author, and producer. His credits include Dallas Buyers Club, Interstellar, True Detective, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, The Wolf of Wall Street, Oh, Dazed and Confused, <coughs> Magic Mike. It's got a new book. Green Lights, available now. Let me give him some real service. You got to check out Green Lights. It's his new memoir, and I have read the bulk of it, and I fucking love it, as you'll hear. He is a rare bird. He is. He's a unicorn. He's a unicorn. He's a unicorn. (laughs) Tweet, tweet. He, oh. (laughs) That was good. That was in character. He would say something. I feel like he would. Yeah. Yeah. You'd say unicorn. He'd say tweet, tweet, and it would make sense coming out of his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, man, we have a party talking to McConaughey. Thank you, Matthew McConaughey, for coming on the show. And please enjoy Mr. McConaughey. We are supported by Hims, a wellness brand for men that Dak Shepard uses regularly to keep my hair. I have a real dedication to my hairdo. You do. It's a big part of my identity, and I really want to keep as much of it as humanly possible. And guess what? I'm doing a pretty good job. I'm 45, and there's a good amount of locks up there still. There is. Now, you've heard us talk about Hims and how they're helping guys look their best. If you haven't, it's time to see what they're all about. Now, the problem, of course, is that 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35. Now, what's the solution? Forhims.com. It's one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, you name it. No awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy lines. Forhims connects you to a licensed medical professional online, which could save you hours. You just answer a few questions and a medical professional will review. And if they determine it's right for you, can prescribe you medication to treat hair loss that is shipped directly to your door. Today, Hims is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results after 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund. And right now, Armcherries can get their first visit absolutely free. Go to 4hims.com slash DAX. That's 4hims.com slash DAX. Full refund of price paid available for the first 90 days supply. Refund requests must be made between 90 and 180 days after product shipment delivered. Prescription products required an online consultation with a medical professional who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's 4hims.com slash DAX. We are supported by NASCAR. Buckle up. Babies. Are you excited about this one? Of course. We have a racing organization supporting armchair experts. This is your dream. It is. This couldn't be a more perfect marriage. As you guys know, I love everything about motorsports. I love riding my motorcycles. I love working on my car. And I'm even now a host of Top Gear America. So, I mean, anything that involves cars, motorsports, or racing, count me in. But if I'm being honest, there really is no better place to see the best racing on the entire planet than with NASCAR. I mean, you want door-to-door action. You want rubbing his racing. Look no further than NASCAR. What's rubbing his racing? That's uh, a line from Days of Thunder. Oh. Yeah. 
So next weekend, the NASCAR championship race is taking place at Phoenix Raceway. This is your chance to see the top drivers fight for a chance to have their name enshrined forever in history as NASCAR Cup Series champion. You're not going to want to miss it. So be sure to tune in on Sunday, November 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC for the NASCAR championship race. We just interviewed a Formula One driver. Yeah, we sure did. He was obsessed with NASCAR and took his name number three after legendary Dale Earnhardt. Again, the NASCAR Championship is November 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Check it out. I can't wait. He's an Dax Randall. That's a deep dive. Where'd you get the Randall? <laughs> yeah, you know, I probably picked it up from my brother. You're not sure exactly what it is, spell it out. My brother does this all the time. He's like, yeah, man, yeah. who's calling? He goes, this is the P-A-T. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Just slows everything down and spells it out. <laughs> now, I really wanted to do this in person. In fact, I think at one point I offered to fucking fly down to Austin because you tell me if you agree. I think we have rhythm. Well, you and I think we got rhythm too, and we both noticed that sitting in two like little uh, uh, wicker lawn chairs in front of a lake at a friend of ours' birthday party one morning or evening. I kind of think it was a morning. It was a morning, and I'll tell you from my point of view what happened, which is, you know, you're a very attractive, charismatic guy, and a lot of people give you attention, so I kind of slow played you. I gave you your space Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday morning, I saw you in the morning, you'd just gotten out of the shower, and I said... Uh, <laughs> How you feeling? And you go, I'm building towards it. I feel like shit now, but I'm I'm around the corner from feeling pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Give me time. I know. Yeah, I've learned over the years. Don't get in a rush. The frequency will come. What's up, yeah. Rob? They're on. Yeah. The whole feed God through my damn ears, it, yeah. Rob. Basically, what happened is we were just about to make love, and then Rob. Don't pop- blame Rob. <laughs> Does Rob also know that you and I could go back and say the same things, but take two always sucks compared to take one. <laughs> I don't believe myself, take two. I buy it. No, take I don't one. either. And I, I, I do it in front of the camera, and I'll go, Did they know I was bullshitting? I was fucking acting right there. I was acting. I'm always better the first time. Me too. That's why I have to improv because I, I just don't believe myself. I got to say something a little different, or I, I don't buy it. Okay, so so this me saying hello to you in the morning. Yeah. As I recall, built to you and I, yes, sitting on a lake. People would like, you know, they had packed up their stuff. They were rushing out. We talked about the the slow exits. Uh Uh-huh. And and (laughs) both of our our love for long road trips. And then you told me a story about your dad that I think I've, I've said out loud in my head probably 20 times since. And we were talking about both of our dads died of, yours died of cancer, right? No, he died making love to my mother. Well, (laughs) yes, he did. That's true, but I I can't imagine that was the cause of death, was it? (laughs) I mean, the cause of death, obviously his heart, the heart attack, his heart was unable to pump enough blood to the rest of his body to keep him alive at the time of climax, and that might have had something to do with two and a half to three packs of filterless camels, uh, cigarettes he smoked a day, and yet still coming back to us while he smoked one and had another one already lit in the ashtray. We go, Pop, you sure you're supposed to be smoking? He says, oh yeah, doctor says I got the heart of a 22-year-old high hurdler. (laughs) Monica, how many times have I told you that? Oh, I got the heart of a 22-year-old Yeah, it's the best reference I think I've ever heard. Back to this lake chat. Another thing was I had been dying to ask you this, you know, since I think I've been aware of you, which is at one point I just said to you, 
man, you have some constitution, right? Because me, you know, I haven't drank in a long time and I ha- I couldn't handle the mornings. I had to drink in the morning, then it turned into like three day thing. And I see you fucking jogging every morning. And I just was like, you have the constitution I wish I could buy on a shelf. Well, thank you. I mean, discipline, I'd say probably some people close to me would say that would be one of my strengths. I mean, I never have been one of those people that the next proverbial next day goes, oh, God, never doing that again. Well, bullshit. You are too. Hang on a second. So, and also, I'll check in the night before going, okay, what do we got tomorrow morning? You know, um, what's my situation here now? What do we got tomorrow morning? We don't start till 11. Hey, that's pretty easy. Oh, we start at 7. Okay. Okay, risk reward here. What are we measuring this? Look at the group. What's everyone pouring? Is this night on the way down or are we about to switch into third gear and go up? And then I got to go, okay. And then if I choose to say, okay, the rockets are going to launch here and this could go till sunrise, I get my mind right there. I'll go head off that night, look in the mirror and go, hey, buddy. This is going to suck tomorrow morning. Now, we're going to bulldog through this. We're not going to make any excuses. We're going to get up an hour and a half We're going to go run and sweat this damn thing out. And tomorrow's going to be hard. But are you in? And we'll shake on it or not. And then the next morning, just go, here we go, man. Ride the baseline. Oh, that's great. You know? That is great. And then I also told you a story while we were sitting there, which was a good friend of mine was with you on an island on New Year's Eve. And you guys were having a great, great time. And eventually you outpaced him. And he had to shut it down around, I think he said, three or four in the morning. He could still hear you at the campfire and stuff. He then crawls out of bed at like 10 in the morning. And he turns on the TV to watch the UT game. And old Matthew McConaughey's sitting in the fucking sidelines in Austin, (laughs) Texas. And he goes... What? How did he time travel? How is he? And he said, you looked amazing, full of energy, bright eyed, bushy tailed. And I was like, what a constitution. Uh, (laughs) You know, I mean, yeah, sometimes we do need more than 24 hours in a day, but they just haven't been given any more than that last I checked. Uh, I'm just trying to make the tally. Oh, my God. So I'm reading your book. I'm a slow reader, but I'm too extremely slow reader. Truly enjoying it. You're such a good storyteller. Thank you, man. Thank you. I've been keeping diaries for 36 years, and they end up in a treasure chest. I always have them with me next to me daring to say, hey, one day I'm going to open those up and look at my past and see if anything's worth a damn. And I never had the courage to do it, really. Uh, I'm just too scared of it. I'm never really, I'm not really nostalgic. I always like to sort of move forward. Hey, don't look back. What you did, you did. And part of that's, I think, cool. And the other part is I was just too scared to. Mm-hmm. Embarrassment. Oh, my gosh. You, I, thought, <laughs> I was glad we forgot about that part of you or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's coming on 50. And I sat there and I had a few weeks. I looked over at it and that old treasure chest was barking at me and said, come on quit talking about it, big boy. And I was like, all right. And I told Camilla, my wife, and she was like, that's exactly what you need to do. Get the hell out of here <laughs> with those diaries. Go pack up your, your, your cooler and your meat and go somewhere and don't come back until you got something. And I had always thought like, hey, you know, I'll move on. In martyrdom, maybe Camilla or a good friend will open those up. And if it's anything worth sharing, they'll do it. And that was also a kind of a chicken shit call too. So I took off with all those diaries. I went off to the desert on my own with no electricity. It's kind of the same thing on that next morning. I said, we're going to take our time here. Let's see what unfolds, what comes out of these pages. And I got this idea that it's going to be all very academic stuff. Uh-huh. You know, I'm really thinking, oh, this is going to be like an educational tool. Well, after about four days, I'm looking at them going, that's not what this is. <laughs> this is stories, people, places, prescriptions, poems, prayers, and a shitload of bumper stickers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... 
it was philosophical, but it became much more poetic and storytelling with a much more storytelling narrative to put together chronologically than I suspected. Once I had those categories that I just riffed off to you there, the central theme that sort of exposed itself was, man, you've had a lot of red lights and yellow lights in your life, hard times or, or bumps in the road, McConaughey, but you found green lights in them, either by turning them into green lights, denying that there was a crisis at all in, in the first place, or just waiting it out and seeing how, you know, the red light death of your father actually turns you into the man that you've become because you didn't have him alive as a crutch anymore. So over time, going through the last 50 years of my life, I just know, geez, a lot of those yellow and red lights I had turned into green lights and been talking to people. I, I see that that happens with a lot of people too. Yeah. That they will turn green for us, either in this life or the next, tomorrow or on our deathbed. So immediately I related to you because I have kept a journal too, very sporadically from about probably 17 to my late 20s, you know, just checking in occasionally. Mm -hmm. But then I got sober and I got kind of superstitious about, well, if I can't dedicate 20 minutes in the morning to writing this fucking piece of paper, right? how much am I really willing to put towards this goal? So I did it sociopathically for 13 years, never missed one morning. Yeah. But I wonder why you journaled. I journaled because I had an inflated <laughs> sense of purpose. I thought I was going to be special. I wanted to document it if I'm being dead honest. And you were correct. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I take these little adventures. I was on like a six month road trip once. You know, I think I had fantasies of being Kerouac or something, but I was just curious sure. what even motivated you to write down your thoughts in your life? I thought that I was going to be special and <laughs> all those things. Oh, good, you know, good, good, good. I remember being in a movie theater. I don't remember the damn movie it was. And I remember consistently in a movie theater laughing at stuff, but I was the only one laughing. And then not laughing when the whole crowd laughed. I was always like, I liked the, the, the subversive or the second underbelly joke or the way it was delivered. I would laugh in the pause, the pregnant pause. I was like, that's funny. <laughs> and not maybe the punchline. Then I would have certain albums I would listen to or music or also films I would watch that I would cry at. Mm -hmm. And everyone else was like, what do you cry? What do you cry? What's the ding? I was like, you don't get that, man. Oh, you know. And, <laughs> and so I'd find something sad that no one's found sad. I'd get ticked off at things that other people were like, what are you mad about that for? But I wouldn't get mad at what they're mad about. Yeah. So I started writing this down to go, are you a unicorn here, McConaughey, or what is this? And then got confident enough to say, oh, other people feel that way too, but you need to jot these things down because this may be a window into who you are as an individual, and I want to be autonomous as I can. I don't want to just say, hey, when are we supposed to laugh? When are we supposed to cry? When are we supposed to get mad? When are we supposed to be happy? And I want to start jotting those down and sort of become a private investigator on myself. Yeah. And just enjoyed that. And then all of a sudden was like, well, well, if there's anybody to be interested in trying to understand, no better person than ourselves. So that became a live project. Very sociopathic about that. I did very early on notice that you typically go write in a diary when you're having trouble. Sure. And you're looking for an answer, right? Mm -hmm. And I learned after about eight years of doing it, I was like, oh, okay, don't just go to this diary when you're like, oh, I need to hide out and figure something out. Make sure you take that 20 minutes when you're flying high and you're like, huh, 
I got it all figured out. Yeah. Because there's a science to that satisfaction. So let's write down what have we been doing? Who are we hanging out with? What were you reading? What were you eating? But for me, it's like you also catch your ego. It's like a great time to check your ego because I'll be like ruminating on something and then I'll write it on a piece of paper and I look at it and I go, oh my God, you're, you're repugnant. That part has helped me. Yeah, but but I don't you think that's also, I'm look, I don't think the ego gets enough credit. I'm a fan of ego. If we don't have an ego, we don't have judgment. We don't have discernment. And there are certain things, trust me, that I've written down that I think, oh, da <laughs> And I look at it the next day, I'm like, <clears throat> no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. You and I mentioned it that morning and talking about, I think it's a brand of comedy that is my favorite, which is called delusional optimism. <laughs> yes. yes. It's, some of the, it's one of the best things for comedy. The delusionally optimistic character, the ones that's just like bulletproof. And you're like going, no, you're not. Yeah, or in the Blues Brothers, right, when that, that woman blows up the phone booth they're in, and they go sky high, and then they come landing, and when they land, the thing breaks up, and there's a bunch of quarters, and they're elated. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God, what a great response <laughs> yeah. to that. Yes. All, all affirmative. Now, it's been useful to me to have that. I've only really consulted it to be helpful once in my life. I was starting a movie. But the ego? No, no, what? the journal, the journal. Got it. So I was starting a movie and I, and I had an audition for it. I just got offered it, right? And so I, I kind of just was putting off in my head what I was going to do. And three days before the movie, I'm in a hotel room and I'm starting to think I'm a fraud. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm terrible. And I just had the force. I just thought, I'm going to look at my journal from right before I started the movie before. I go back, I read it. I'm a fraud. I can't do this. Then I read day one of filming. <laughs> I'm the best actor that's ever lived. I'm such an asset to this movie. And I was okay. like, oh, this is just my pattern. And I'm just in fear right now. And that helped me just go like, yeah, whatever. I know where this is going to end up. But I needed to see okay. it in writing. You know, it was helpful. Well, and, and what about the fact that you also saw that, oh, I obviously give a damn enough to believe I'm a fraud leading up because I've got butterflies. And what the hell am I doing? I'm in the unknown. I'm unbalanced. And then all of a sudden, when they put me in the game, I perform and go, you damn right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And yes. Right. Hey, better than the other way around. Oh, God, yes. I know a lot of people, and I've been in times in my life where the lead up, I'm like, woo, watch this. <laughs> and then showed up and, you know, ate shit. And I was like, oh. Now, your childhood is spectacular. I think I have some overlap with you, but I just want to start immediately with the fact that your dad- You've got early divorce parents, right? I have early divorced parents. I also, yeah. dad was a big, big figure, big guy. My brother had to fight him. He wanted to fight me. He wanted to fight me and he was, he was about nine hours out of a hernia operation. So he's got his shirt off. He's just shoved me on the bed and his stomach is just stapled together. And my excuse, I was so happy you wrote it the way you did, that you were honest, that you fucking, you were scared and you weren't ready to, to do that because- I didn't want to do it either, but I had the excuse of, I'm like, dad, I'll fucking kill you if we fight. I'll kill, you know, I'll rip your, your innards are going to fall out. So I always had that as a crutch to lean on, but truth be told, I wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's something about your father. Oh, doing, and yours. And doing that. Your, your dad was 6'4 and 265. So that's, yeah. that's a hell of a scrap to get into. Yeah, it wasn't going to be much of a scrap. I mean, I was, like I said in the story, I mean, I, I pissed my pants. Just the <laughs> idea. And I said, my, my fists were like, I would have been paper mache. Yes. And he offered, you know, put his chin out. Come on, four to my one. Oh. You know, and it was not even in my mind uh, an, an option that I wanted to engage with. 
Whereas your brother Rooster, who's similar size to you, he went to the end, right? He did. Well, that was his rite of passage as he did earlier. And from that day on, him and my dad were best friends. But dad challenged his loyalty. It's in the book. He did a similar thing with me. And I would say it's sort of when he said this story to me when I asked him if I go to film school. And he goes, don't have facet. That was sort of him going, ah, you stepped out of line and you're bold enough to go your own way. Well, when he was with my brother Rooster, and it's the story about going to roll the pipe, which they had always done that in their life. Quickly, Monica, his dad sold oil piping, and then his brother Rooster, who's considerably older than you. How how much older is he? 16 years older. Oh, wow. He he then, too, became a salesman. He starts crushing. He lands this huge account with a guy, and his dad was like, let's go steal some pipe, which they had done in the past. Which they had done in the past. And he dad says, let's go steal it from this guy. His new account. just got the oh, account for. Oh, God. Okay. And my brother's like, oh, now come on, man. And then all of a sudden, my dad starts to think, wait, wait, where's your loyalty, son? With me oh. or him? And they're pretty drunk at this point, I'll add. Yeah. Rooster's just like, oh, not doing it. Oh, yeah, you're not going to listen to your old man? And they got into it, and two-by-fours were swung, and rock wow. was slung, and, dad, and Rooster almost knocked him out finally, and Dad couldn't see and got up on the ground, and that's when Dad cried and hugged him. and was like, that's my boy. Oh, my God. You bucked me. You <laughs> okay, bucked me. You okay. told me. You told me no one can wait, Dad. I ain't doing it, and I'll fight you for it. And that's when my dad was like, from Respect. that day on, never another argument with Rooster, never like, you ought to do that. They were best buds because yeah. Rooster bucked him and said, uh-uh, uh-uh. What a mental game. Yep. Now, when I'm reading your stories, man, they're so similar to mine. So my childhood was, you know, there was a good amount of violence. There was a lot of divorces. There was, uh, you know, I saw my mom get beat up. And I can tell the story in a very entertaining, fun way. And I have for years. And to me, some, okay. of, the, some of the shit that I think is really funny troubles other people. Or it sounds very scary. And I, I totally re- respect it. But your stories, you know, you have a sense of levity to them. And you... Put them in this context where it's like, yeah, it was really messy and it was fucked up, but it resulted in something I'm quite proud to have been given. Proud of, honored, honored to, yeah. Now, within that, though, you're smart as shit. And, you know, you we've learned about ACEs, like, you know, childhood trauma. And they, they have a pretty profound effect on people. Do you also have a sense that, like, yes, yeah, some of the stuff maybe was a little too rough for a human? Is it just your point of view in life that's like, everything happens for you and not to you? Or have you ever considered, like, you know, the fight you described between your mom and dad is insane. So dad comes home, he wants more mashed potatoes. Mom thinks he's a little too heavy, flips the table up in the air. She grabs a knife. She oh, hits boy. him in the face with a phone, breaks his nose. Like, this is the kind of story I tell. And at the same time, I'm going, that's a very stressful situation yeah. for a kid. Yeah. So look, I mean, at the time, I was just a young kid, four, four years old, crying. Mom and dad are screaming at each other, fighting. I've seen where this could go. No, 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 no. You know, and the fact that 12-inch blade was pulled out (laughs) probably didn't make me go, oh, this could be mortal. But it was just another, it heightened the circumstances, and it was, oh, no, screaming, no. And mind you, oblivious to me. This is a great thing about my parents. It's not like they were going to become objective in their own presence and go, oh, wait a minute. Matthew's over there. Maybe we should send him to his room. No, no stepping out of it. If you got front row seats to the rodeo, good for you. We ain't checking your ID no matter how old you are. Here it goes live. (laughs) There was also no, in our family, no later on, hey, can we talk to you about that time? No, no, no. You didn't dive in because what was the lasting? The last image was the green light. After they're bloody, she's swinging this blade at him. They're dancing around this kitchen. 
And all of a sudden, he swipes this bottle of Heinz ketchup. And she's swinging out like this. And he's, he's like, <laughs> and starts slathering your ketchup. <laughs> and dancing like a matador. Like oh this. My and God. he starts going, touche. Touche. <laughs> it sounds like it's out of a Bukowski story. <laughs> she's, ah, she's getting frustrated. She can't cut him with the blade. And he's, she's covered now with ketchup. All of a sudden, she's like, <laughs> drops a knife. She's crying. And dad, bloody nose, all going out. Drops the ketchup, and then they just go whoop into each other down on the floor and make love on the kitchen floor. I'm just what? Like, Wait, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You know, so there was always a, there was always, <laughs> you know, that's that's what they needed to communicate. Was it was it wild and violent in front of me and something you go, well, that's not really for four year olds' eyes or anyone's eyes. Sure, but it was. You see the reverence and the honor I have at the telling of the stories. And there's unequivocal love in my family. That's what I think supersedes all of this is the halo around any of the events. We knew we were loved. I knew mom and dad loved each other. I knew I was loved. My brothers knew they were loved. We had a saying, I love you. I just don't like you right now. Well, that was one of the times where they didn't like each other. My mom to this day goes, oh, I don't regret that fight or the other 20 of them. She goes, I needed that to communicate. My mom, whose middle finger is broken four times and goes like, she's like, oh, yeah. I started those fights, popping them in the head. I needed it. Well, I'm glad I don't need that like she does. I'm glad my wife, Camilla, doesn't need that like she does. I don't <laughs> yeah, want to yeah. get into that, into that state that my dad would have had to get into with her, and I don't want that rocky of a relationship. But that it also, I think, is part of, maybe it's generational as well. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it's in a context. And so I grew up in yeah. the 70s as well, and I also grew up in a very blue-collar area of Michigan where that kind of stuff was pretty regular. So you didn't feel alone or isolated or unique right. because it was happening to a lot of my friends and it seemed normal. So that's relevant yeah. as well, I think. I've never done any psychoanalysis on any of that stuff. That's why I'm here. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've worked through, I mean, uh, I'm not in denial of it. When I tell about the love of my family, I tell about the times that we were disciplined or the times when mom and dad got in a fight. Maybe because it's so vital and so alive and it never became something that was above the absolute love and passion. And I'm not here to judge it. I'm not here to say, you know, uh, that's unfair and we should have called Child Protective No, none of that shit. It's what I saw. And, and when I tell those stories, I light up. Yeah. Not in fear. The, on paper, like you said earlier, you go, oh, no. <laughs> but no, when I'm telling it or I'm writing it, my heart is swelling. I am beaming in love and pride and honor to tell those stories because they had great value in my life. Well, and you got through them. Essence is really is like challenges are inevitable. How are you going to react to them? Resilience is a big thing. I mean, if anything, that's something that is really ingrained in our, in our whole upbringing is you get up, dust yourself, and you move on. You forgive and you forget. You don't go to bed holding grudges. You end up the fight. What, however bloody it is, let's make love before we go to bed. You know what I mean? Whatever I've got to beef with you, if we can't settle it tonight, forget school tomorrow. We'll stay up all damn night and deal this and work this out until you and I can hug it, hug it out and drop a tear and head off, and we will never bring this moment up again. I can't hold a grudge on you. You can't play add it up with me. If I bring up two weeks later, well, Dax did this. Uh -uh. <laughs> now I'm in trouble again for bringing the damn thing up because we settled that. That was over. We've moved on from that. You know, Pat gets busted with weed. It's violent. He lies. You know, how's it end? 
We take a 35-minute truck right across town to the best burger joint to go get burgers and shakes and to bring them home, put them on TV trays, watch TV while we eat dinner, which we never got to do unless someone got in trouble, and stay up past our bedtime and all go to bed hugging and never another word said about it. So there was great resilience and we could move on quickly. Now, the loophole in that I've found in my life is if you're so resilient that you just hop back up and get on with it quickly, you never take time to actually get introspective and go, well, why did we do that? Yeah, yeah. How do I head that <laughs> off in the future? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're also guilty of being repeat offenders. Yes, Because yes, we, just, yes. we just so quickly hop back up and go, yep, we're good, we're good. Instead of going like, why, why did I step in that hole and trip myself running downhill? Maybe I need to check that change up the next time. Well, it, w- it will not surprise you, Monica, to learn that they were divorced twice and married thrice. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. Over 39 years, yeah. I was I was live for one of them, and my other two brothers were live for the other one. We thought they were extended vacations, and they kind of were. Well, I just want to add one last thing. I only started reevaluating some of my stuff now that I have two kids. Well, I just kind of look at these little kids, and I know the ages I was at when this or that happened, and I go, hmm, that'd be a lot for my kids to handle. Absolutely. A whole lot. Mm-hmm. I think it would be more for them to handle than it was for me to handle. Same. I think. Same. But also in that for me was like this great forgiveness for my dad who kind of split at three where I used to hate him over it. And I look at my kids now, and by the way, it's why I loved Interstellar. Once you have kids, the notion of missing your children's life is the most sad. That's the, that's the last movie I cried in, that movie. Huh. But he missed the whole thing. And the notion of missing right. the whole thing for me, I'd rather be dead. So right. it also led to like forgiveness, you know? So I'm also, I'm like critical at one point, but then also there's a bunch of forgiveness. Yeah, those two can be part and parcel. I, I, I say this in the book. You also find out when you get older that some of what your, who your parents were, the messenger and the message were two different things. Made me angry after my father passed away and I found out certain things. I was like, wait, wait, he didn't live by that? He taught me that. that I, no, 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 yes, he didn't. No, he actually didn't. He, he, huh? First, it was anger. But very quickly, for whatever reason, I was able to get to, oh, okay, okay. Well, if, even if the, the messenger didn't follow through 100% on the message. Don't forget the message, even if he did. You know yeah, what I mean? And, yeah. and, and there's a form of forgiveness in that. And it's also, it's all right to give, give each other a little break. You know, forgive each other. We're, we're human. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by FIGS. Recent events have reminded us how important and awesome healthcare professionals are. Now, this time last year, we were cheering for our favorite sports stars. Today, we rightly cheer for nurses, doctors, respiratory therapists, techs, and more. FIGS has been cheering for healthcare professionals all along. Their mission is to celebrate healthcare pros and make sure that they have the awesome scrubs they need to perform their best. Now, FIGS provides the most comfortable scrubs. I have FIGS scrubs. And I lounge around in them. A, I feel like a doctor, which you know I think I'm a doctor. But man, are they comfortable to lounge around in. They're also moisture-wicking, anti-wrinkle, and liquid-repellent and are ridiculously soft. Some of their styles include over 10 pockets. They come in a ton of different colors and styles from classic V-neck tops and straight-leg pants to athletic-inspired crew-neck tops and jogger pants. Their best-selling Fion X protective face mask comes in awesome colors and super lightweight and breathable and feature a replaceable BFE 
activated filter. Figs wants you to wear the scrubs you deserve and enjoy 15% off your first order using code DAX at checkout. And if you're not working on the front lines, thank someone that is because Figs will give you 15% off too. Head to wearfigs.com. That's W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S.com and enter code DAX at checkout. Get ready to love your scrubs. We are supported by Legacy Box. Legacy Box is a super simple mail-in service to have all your videotapes, camcorder tapes, film reels, and pictures digitally preserved on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. Look, I'm sure you're like all of us and you have boxes of old videotapes and photos collecting dust in your closet. You'll want to keep these irreplaceable moments forever. So the best thing to do is have them digitally preserved so they stand the test of time so they can be passed down for generations to come. Time is running out. Time is running out. These things deteriorate. They really do. All these cherished photos I have of Aaron and I from high school, junior high. Every time I pull one of the boxes, a little dimmer. That's why I use Legacy Box to digitize everything. Now, Legacy Box is a way for you to easily and affordably digitally preserve your past. The process from start to finish is so easy. You pack and send it in. Their team digitizes everything by hand and you enjoy. You get them back perfectly preserved on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. Ready to watch, share, and enjoy. Get started future-proofing your memories today so you can gather the family and begin the trip down memory lane. The holidays are around the corner. What a great time to sit around and enjoy some memory lane. Go to LegacyBox.com slash DAX to get an incredible 40% off your first order. Buy today to take advantage of this exclusive offer and then send in when you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com slash DAX and save 40% off while supplies last. I want to tell a couple of the fun ones. They're so funny. So Matthew's mom enrolled him or entered him into a uh, like little Mr. Texas. Aww. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> little Mr. Texas badge. Oh, there's one in the book. He is the cutest motherfucker you've ever seen. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for you. So just tell us about little Mr. Texas. Yeah. So we got on Bandera, Texas. I'm like eight years old. Oh, man, got my vest on made out of a leather vest, tassels. I got my cowboy hat. I go down there to Bandera, Texas. And we get up there and we do the questionnaire and we walk on and on a horse and stuff and throw a lasso. And I'm pretty good at all these things. And, you know, win, win the trophy. There's a frame picture of me with the trophy and mom puts it up in the kitchen on every morning look at you son there you are little mr texas the one and only little mr texas and so this going on daily weekly and then her introducing me this is my son you know he won little mr texas. he is little mr texas goes on and now i'm just like yeah i'm little mr texas well this goes on for you know little miss decades yeah not he years, grew up decades. thinking he was little mr texas Okay. Well, I was yeah. little Mr. Texas. I was little Mr. Texas until Uh-oh. I, Uh-oh. I happened to zoom in on that trophy, <gasps> name the plate on that trophy one day just a couple years ago. Runner up. No. Oh, my God. Runner up. Look at the gift she gave you. Yes. Oh, and she did. And she always, to this day, I, I, I find, you know, I called her out on it just here recently. She was like, ah, oh, well, you were Little Miss Texas. That's something. He and his family had too much money. They were able to buy that three-piece suit and shit for him. That, you, you're Little Miss Texas. She still denies it. Oh, In her mind. Yes. Isn't that great? By the way. Wow. This just hit me now, but... You know, the greatest asset I was given and a big burden was my mom thought I was the second coming. She thought I shit gold. 
And that made me, I mean, that gave me way more confidence than I deserved. That was like the original BDE was mom oh thinking God. you were the shit. Yeah, what if you right? didn't become you because of, <laughs> what if you just thought you were runner up your whole life, you might not have become you. We're not talking. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's oh more It's more than a malaprop. God. I mean, it, it's just, <laughs> little. No, bit. that doesn't happen. We're at Guero's and Matthews puts our enchiladas on the table. I'm like, that guy's pretty fucking handsome. I yeah. can't believe he's putting. I wonder what happened. <laughs> I wonder who is really little Mr. Texas. We oh, got to find out. He's out there. He'll come to surface. <laughs> I yeah. want to do an investigative journalist piece on the real little Mr. Texas and just see how What's it all works out. Now? Yeah. What is he doing now? Oh, wow. Yeah. Because yeah. you know his mom didn't tell him he was runner up. <laughs> no, no, no. And she probably didn't tell him that they outspent you either. Yeah. That's true. He's probably having a horrible guilt trip about the whole thing since then. <laughs> Okay, and then oh, another wow. great, like, really telling thing was, you know, Matthew's in seventh grade, and, there, and there's, like, a poetry contest. Uh, mm. yes. And he yeah. works his ass off on this poem, and then he reads it to mom, and then what, what does mom do? Yeah, I, read, I go back, write this poem that I'm pretty damn proud of, and show it to mom. She looks at it, she's like, mm, yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. <laughs> go, go back to your room, try, try it some more. I go back to my room, work real hard for another two hours, come back, show it to her. She looks at it, she goes, yeah, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> Um, here, have a look at this one. She pulls out this book, starting earmark, opens it up. She goes, right, re read that one. I got this book and I read it and I go, if all that I would want to do would be to sit and talk to you, would you listen? It's <laughs> good. She goes, you like that one? I go, yeah, I mean, it's, that's really good and it's short. And it's just, <laughs> short. The author was Anne, I think, Anne Ashbery, I think. You like that? I go, yeah. Like she goes, do you do you understand it? I go, yeah. It's like it's just you know, it's like loving somebody. Sometimes you just want to you know, we take some quiet time to talk. And she goes, yes, you 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 understand that? I go, yeah, I completely understand. She goes, write that. <laughs> and I go, but it's a it's a it's a poet, it's a seventh grade poetry contest, and I got to write my. Not, and she goes, I know, but you understand. I go, well, do you want me to write that and sign Ann Ashford? She goes, no. <laughs> Listen. No. Do you understand it for you? I said, yes. She goes, then you write that and sign your name to it. Oh, <laughs> I go, wow. So, so I write, I write, if all that I would want to do would be to sit and talk to you, would you listen? Matthew McConaughey. And I fucking won that contest. Of course you did. <laughs> oh, my God. What doc did we uh, just watch where wow, something like almost identical to that happened? We watched a doc recently. I don't remember. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, it was Lance Armstrong. It was Lance Armstrong because he was too young to compete in these triathlons. Mm. And so his parents just said, well, you're 18. You're 18. And so they started off with a little bit of a fib. And he fucking won those triathlons. Yeah, he and you're like, sure did. okay, so, all right, that's informative. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right? starting off right? on a very specific foot. Oh, my God. That, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Huh. Mom was... She would be my substitute teacher. She tried to become the substitute teacher for my class. She also taught me in kindergarten. But she was the teacher that, and mind you, we're, this is why we're sort of, in the chapter Outlaw Logic, we're like very, teach the real disciplines. If you got to do this, and you better do this, you better be honest, you better not cheat, lie, da, da, da. But damn, man, I have mom as a substitute teacher. I come home, and she's like, Here's the answer to that test tomorrow. It's just, it's a stupid it's a stupid subject. It, and, and, and don't even read that book. She come in there and tell me, don't shut that book. Quit studying. Here's the answer. It's a stupid subject, and you don't need to spend your time on it. Just take the answers and go make a hundred. 
<laughs> I was like, my mom, you know, instead of, instead of being like, oh, it's harder because my mom. Mom was like, no, nah, this subject, I don't know why they're making you study this. Don't even, just shut that book. Don't study it. Here's the answers. And, but she was also, you know, in kindergarten, like, you know, they're studying trains. And she was like, what are we doing looking at these damn books, reading about it? Everybody, come on. Loaded up a bus, drove a bus to Amtrak, put all the kids on an Amtrak and like took it to Kerrville. Like, didn't even ask the principal, nobody. They landed back at like 8 p.m. that night. The local news is there. The parents are there. Where'd you take our kids? She's like, what? No no teacher's assistant, nothing. Wrangled like 20-something kids and just took them on a road. She's like, that's the best way you learn about a damn railroad track and a train. You go do it. You don't read about it. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, so then you, ha- and I love how honest you are about it because- you're just a charming motherfucker, and you're handsome as hell. So you get to high school. This is a good one, too. Do you mind that I'm going through all these? They're so fun. Go for it, man. Oh, okay, yeah, good. I mean, we fun. could be talking about your whole acting career, but I think we know your acting yeah, career pretty good. Yeah. This is more that. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are the stories of why I became an actor. Yeah. yeah. He's a good-looking dude. He's got some light, light acne. You know, a couple sure, pimples. Sure, that's normal. But his mother is involved in, I guess we call now a multi-level marketing company okay. where she's selling <laughs> door <to> door <laughs> mink oil. Oh. At mink oil as oil a... Fa- uh, uh, yeah, oh, sorry, oil of mink, sorry. Oil of mink is a, is a topical face solvent. So sure. she notices that young Matthew's struggling with a couple pimples and she says, son, you got you to start using this product. It's revolutionary. So he yeah. starts yeah. applying it liberally, I would assume. And- yes, and religiously. I mean, right every night, right before bed, oil of mink all over my face. Says it will bring out all the impurities. Okay. And then once it brings them out, they're gone. And then for the rest of your life, you have beautiful, clean, glowing skin. Sure. So worse before that? it gets better. Yes. Okay. Yes. Darkest before dawn. Yep. And you're a fighter. You're willing to put in the work. You've already demonstrated that. I'm into delayed gratification. I'm up for early pain for long-term gain. <laughs> okay. So the, the as you might guess, the uh, the pimples are increasing in both volume and quantity. <laughs> Got a lot of impurities in there, Matthew. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> oh, this is great stuff. Look at all these impurities <laughs> oh. surfacing. Oh, my God. And they now become, I guess, cystic, right? You use, Now you got yeah. a real yeah. problem on your hands. I have a real problem. I'm kind of unrecognizable, and, 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 and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Despite his mother's urging, he, he seeks counsel with an actual dermatologist who yeah. shits himself when he finds out Matthew's been rubbing oil of mink all over his face. Yeah, because it's for people from 40 years and over, not a 14-year-old kid who's just going through adolescence who already has some, some oil coming through his pores. It's blocked all the pores completely. Oh, so God. for the last month, I've oh my just God. swollen up, and I have severe acne, and he says... If you don't get off of that and we don't get you on Accutane right now, you are 10 days away from having ice picks for the rest of your life. Oh. So I get on the Accutane. Yeah, yeah. So he, so he gets on Accutane, and now we all know that has its own side effects, yeah, right? Sure. So it's a very dry skin, cracking, all this kind of stuff. But yeah. here's my favorite part, because this is exactly what my dad would have done. His dad <laughs> takes a look at this whole story, and he goes, we got a goddamn lawsuit on our hands. They ruined this <laughs> no, beautiful boy's no, face. No, 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 Yes, no. yes, yes, no. yes. No. And the dad takes him to a lawyer. He's, the lawyer says, I have to imagine you're in great emotional distress from this. And he's I'm a like, bright boy. So he, I look at clock dad, and dad's like, 
And I'm like, I, yes, high, high, high emotional distress. <laughs> he had been doing well with the ladies. Now no one will talk of to him. Of course, that's for a high schooler. Confidence is shot. Yeah. And he's now recording this and asking again. I'm going to go again. Are you under, have you been under emotional distress? Yes, sir, Mr. Major Emotional Distress. Is your confidence down? Oh, my confidence is much lower, sir. How are you doing with like girlfriends and stuff? Well, I, the girls used to like me a lot more. It's like they're just not interested anymore. It's actually people look at me funny when I walk. I'm not doing near as good with the girls either. My dad and the lawyer are sitting there, and the guy's like, "Oh shit, Jim, we're gonna get fifty grand off of this deal easy." I mean, I mean, look at him; he's all swelled up. Can't even recognize the kid. I mean, I mean, it doesn't say a damn thing on this bottle about not giving it to adolescent kids. Should have said that. This company's irresponsible. Oh, we got fifty grand easy. All right. So I go through the Accutane. <laughs> creases him out all this stuff talk you know all this, you get the dandruff blah blah blah, blah. but it works yeah now, as you know in lawsuits they go on a while well about a year and a half later <laughs> now i'm a senior the accutane's worked skin's great we're back i get called in for the deposition now with the defense attorney right back in jerry harris's office same office where he's like huh 50 grand you're all swelled up look at you so now i'm in there and the guy across the table he sits there and he goes oh my god you poor poor boy most so emotionally distressful, wasn't it? And I'm like, I can't believe he just used our term. He's slobbing me a softball. I'm going to hit this out of the park. I'm like, yes, heavy emotional distress, sir. My confidence was low. He's like, oh, I bet it was. I bet you weren't doing near as well with the girls. I was like, no, sir. I can't believe he asked me that question, too. I'm just, he's teeing me up. I'm like going, no, horrible. Girls wanted nothing to do with me. He's like, oh, and all that. Then you got that dandruff. I was like, yeah, it was, it was, it was horrible. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is the worst Defense attorney in the world. He's just played all in my hands. We got this guy. We're going to get 50 grand or more. Yeah. And he reaches on the table and pulls out this green yearbook. <laughs> Opens it up. <laughs> turns it around slides it in front of me and goes, who's that? And I look down and there in this picture was myself next to a very pretty girl named Camisa Springs. <laughs> Across her chest... She had a sash that said, most beautiful. Across my <laughs> chest, oh my there was God. a sash that said, most handsome. Oh, <laughs> wow. That year, I won most handsome. So all of a sudden, it hits me. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> we blew it. The case is done. And I looked up at him, and he goes, so emotionally distressful. Huh. <gasps> oh. And I was like, mm. it's over. And the, and the case was thrown out. And my dad went on. For freaking a year going, God damn you, boy. I mean, I'm telling you, we got a case. We're going to make 50 grand and you got to go off and win goddamn most handsome. Damn it. <laughs> Why didn't you sandbag that? Wear an eye patch for a year. Oh. Jesus, son. Wow. Yeah, oh, I blew Dude, it. That, that kind of brought it. me back to, uh, so my dad, too, my dad was involved in many a lawsuit. And then another thing was he, he had all kinds of businesses and one of them was, you couldn't call it selling it, it was under a charity guise and it was a Hugs Not Drugs workbook that would be distributed to children to keep them off drugs. So when I was uh, 15, he kind of wrangled me into this and he wanted me to start making calls to try to get donations from people and if people donated, they got a little ad in the Hugs Not Drugs book, right? And it escalated to me actually going to like Rotary Club meetings at 15 and lying and telling these people that I had had a really bad history with drug abuse and that if I had had this Hugs Not Drugs book, I wouldn't have seen all those dark days. And your dad I, was in on this story? Oh, yeah. He helped he me craft it. it. 
So I was touring <laughs> Oakland County making these really impassioned speeches about how wayward I was and how I would have been saved if I had had this Hugs Not Drugs workbook. And I crushed. I sold so many full page ads. Matthew, that book never made it out. I think we sold a bunch of ads and I'm not sure that there was ever a distribution of the books. <laughs> so how ironic because now you it can is, really it's tell very the story. ironic yeah <laughs> but i know great. i don't know that the hugs not drugs book would have helped i mean i love it yeah i love it. our parents you know used us solicited us to like go yeah, yeah. we're gonna make using you to make some cash son come yeah. on now well i yeah I, I grew up with a different kind of ethic which is like by hook or crook we got to get some money child labor child labor oh that's great that reminded me of the one where dad, uh, they were, my dad was out with a bunch of his friends at a ranch. They were having who could pee the highest contest. Yeah, oh, let me break this down. Oh, so, yeah, this is news to me. Okay. okay, so what they would do is they'd stand against the wall, then they put a little line over their head, and okay. they had to pee over their own head, basically. And it was a shootout. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And his dad was 6'4", so that was an impressive height. For sure. That was the second tallest height, though. There was another guy there, a guy, Fred Smithers, who was about 6'7". And so dad had won the 6'4". The no one could pee over his head. But then nobody could obviously peak. No one could go higher up to six seven. They couldn't get that high. And they were like, Fred, Fred was like, ain't nobody can piss over my head. And then my dad gets an idea because he's got his eye on this little miniature dirt bike in the corner. And he goes, my son can. And he goes, what? No way. And dad goes, yeah, he can. Well, dad had to drive 112 miles back home at whatever one in the morning to pick up my brother, Pat, wake him up out of bed. And, of course, what do you do when you're a kid and you wake up right in the middle of the night? You got to go pee. Dad's like, no, 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 no. Come on, oh. come on. Hold on to it, son. Put him in the truck, <laughs> gave him a beer, and said, you just sip on that and fill that bladder up. Well, 112 miles back, it's now about 5 in the morning. Oh, my God. Pat's in his underwear, and Dad shows up, and they're all kind of hanging out, just still about to go to sleep. He says, get up, wake up, boys. Here it is. My son's going to piss over your head, Fred Smithers. Fred steps up there, puts a mark. Pat gets over there, pierce it by about five inches. Because what he had bet, what he had bet with Fred Smithers that I didn't add a story was he goes, I'll bet you that little motorbike that my son can do it. Why did he do that? Because Pat was asking for a motorbike for Christmas, but my dad couldn't afford it. So child labor, hooker, full stunt. He loaded up the motorbike, took it home. Pat got a motorbike for Christmas. And he wagered his pickup truck. It's sweet. Yeah, it's a mix. It's very sweet. It's a mix of child abuse and super (laughs) sweet. Yes, 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 exactly. Wow, mixed messages. Okay, so you graduate from high school. Matthew's mother suggests that he go study abroad before he goes off to college. And so the Rotary Club says, yeah, we'll do this. We'll send you down to Australia. You can do a year in Australia. Mm. There's one thing, all these people we send wanna come home in a couple months. They're lonely, whatever, they come home. So we need, we, you gotta sign a contract that says you are not leaving within that year. I'm not gonna I sign a contract to say I'm not leaving year. I'm telling you, I'm going for the year. I'm not, I'm not gonna sign it. This feels weird to sign thing. I'm going for years. Like, no, so I'm telling you, everyone wants to come back. Everyone says they're gonna go for the whole time. But they all wanna come back, so you need to sign this. He says, look, I, I'm not gonna sign it, but I'll, I'll shake on it. I'm going for a year, that's my full intention. He agrees. So next thing I know, I'm on a plane headed off to Australia. Really quick, can I just say what your fantasy is of what's yeah, awaiting Yeah, well, <laughs> I picked Australia. They, they offered Australia and Sweden, all right? So I'm sitting there going, <laughs> Beaches, waves, L. McPherson, <laughs> English speaking, <laughs> Australia. It is good night, yeah. mate. Here we go. Right? Yeah, <laughs> down under. All right. So, bam, I'm off. Here we go. Now, I've got a family that's written that's going to be my host family, 
And their note, oh, we're so good, so glad to be having you come over here, Matthew. We've got a great little spot here on the outskirts of Sydney. It's beautiful. We've got sunny beaches. It's just great. You're going to love it. <laughs> wow, Sydney, metropolis, major city. <laughs> All those, El McPherson's probably there somewhere. Sure, you know, we're going to yeah. surf. Here we go, man. <laughs> well, I show up and uh, get off the plane in this family. I, 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 you help me with what details not to do because it's a 43-minute story if I tell it full. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the Dooleys meet him. And how old's the boy? They have a son. How old is he? He's about 26. Okay. And they start driving. My little brother. <laughs> yeah, they're excited. They're, they're, oh, this, I bet. It's his new little brother. And they start driving, and uh, all of a sudden, Matthew notices that the skyline of uh, Sydney is, is pretty far in the uh, rearview mirror. And, okay. But, uh, yeah. but, it, but okay, I still see the beach. Then they get to another town. Maybe it's 70,000. Oh, he thinks this is it. Uh, nope, nope. Cool. We still got a little while later. Oh, okay, well, this is getting a little dicier. Now we're in a town of... 12,000, they've now said that's where they basically live. And as they go through that town, he's thinking, okay, well, I can still see the beach. And they go, we is a little bit further. They end up in a town of 800 people, completely no. inland, not no. by the beach. 305. <laughs> Population yeah. 305. No. And these people are fucking weird. <laughs> they are fuck, dude. It sounds like a horror movie. Oh no! It sounds like a horror movie. The dad is tiny and rotund. He wants to act posh and elevated and smart. And he tells Matthew, "Like, you know, why don't you make us dinner?" And he says, "Great, I'm gonna make you guys hamburgers." And he goes, "You know, I'm not gonna make you hamburgers. I'm gonna make you cheeseburgers." Because the man who invented the hamburger was smart, but the man who invented the cheeseburger was a genius. <laughs> the man immediately takes him to his office and he points to a picture of uh, Winston Churchill and he says. Matthew, that man's a genius, and he doesn't want you using that word. Yeah. Oh. I would like you to, from now on, in your duration of your stay here in our household, you learn to appreciate fine wines, fine cheeses, and not to voice your opinion for the masses. What? And I go, which part? He goes, oh, a while ago, you stated, did not question, stated that the man who invented the hamburger was smart, <laughs> but the man who invented the cheeseburger <laughs> was a genius. Matthew, that is merely your opinion. And I went, Oh, okay. Cultural difference with me. What it, it what, what it, it's just, it's a phrase. Of speech. Oh, 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 Matthew, as I said, well, Mr. Dooley, it, look, it basically means I like cheeseburgers more than hamburgers. Oh, uh-huh. As I said. Uh-huh. Oh, Do you God. understand? And I'm like, wow, what's going on? Okay, yeah. Well, quite a few other things happened after that that were. It gets weirder and weirder. And let me say one of the yeah. things that's probably sensitive, but the 26-year-old boy also has a girlfriend. There were. <laughs> <laughs> Did she have a crush on me or did the mother kind of want us to have a crush on each other in front of their son who's 26 in front of everybody and got the whole family lined up one day, Saturday, and they're about to leave and I'm washing dishes and I get called in the room. They go, give her a kiss goodbye. Oh, God. Mm. Give her a kiss. On the lippies. Ew. I'm like, so, well, hold on, wow. really quick. Just two weeks ago, I was explaining to Monica that in New Zealand and in Australia, they, they love baby talk. Oh, so yeah. kissies, I just was excited. Oh, just, you're lippies. now kind of confirming. They yeah. love to do it ease at the end of things. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and this was in the room with, with her and her boyfriend. The boyfriend, my, yeah. My, Your brother. Their son. <laughs> My big brother. <laughs> and it was just, it was it, it was off. It was rude. I'm confused. What's going on? Does she have a crush on me? Or wait, is the mother trying to set up a situation here? Is this just a bad joke going wrong? Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I handled the situation in as cool a way as I could with myself and her. And she thanked me for it. And I was okay. But again, I was like, what was that? What was that? 
All this time, I'm telling myself after every one of these situations, okay, Makani, it's cultural differences. This is mm. cultural differences. So I keep taking the high road. I'm not judging anyone. Until the night came, this is about five months in, over dinner, 5.30, where we had dinner every night. Now, mind you, by this time, I don't think I'm going insane. But when I look back, my diaries, I was kind of going insane. And let me just say, this is the part I really related to you with, because my year in Santa Barbara, I just up and said, oh, I'm going to be fat free. And I just started jogging. And I don't know why I got down to like 158. I'm 6'3". I looked insane. Like I was so out of control that I just wanted to control whatever I could. Something, some sort of reachable discipline to accomplish a day to keep your fucking sanity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm running six miles a day. I've decided I'm going to be vegetarian. I don't know how to be Mm. vegetarian. So I basically eat a head of iceberg lettuce a night. I get a knife, a fork, a head of iceberg lettuce, and a bottle of ketchup. (laughs) Put it on the head of iceberg lettuce, cut, and that's my deal. I'm celibate. I'm celibate. I've decided now that when I leave this year here, I need to go to South Africa and help free Mandela. That's my calling. And then after that, I'll become a monk. Even though you went there for L. McPherson. So things really took a turn. L. McPherson is way in the rearview mirror right now. Yeah, you you were going to be Foster Surfboards and McPherson, and now you're going to Tibet. Wow. The first letter back home was, hey, mom, dad, throwing some shrimps on the barbie. Love you, Matthew. Now I'm writing like 16 page letters in this very minute writing with way too many adjectives and adverbs, just imploding, right? I don't notice it. And I've got two albums, three albums I'm listening to Maxi Priest, Maxi Priest, In Excess, Kick, and a YouTube Rattle, Rattle and Rum. Rattle and Hum, one of the great albums of all time. First CD I ever owned. Really? Yeah. Damn good choice. Good choice. Uh, so here's my ritual every night. Now, mind you, this is still when I don't think. Anything's wrong. We eat dinner at 5, 5.30, I clean up the dishes. Then I, as fast as I can, get back to my bedroom and bathroom. I'm reading a lot of Lord Byron. Mm. <laughs> I get the bathtub nightly, read Lord Byron, listen to my rattle hum, jack off. Nightly oh, wow. ritual. Have a yank. Work it out. Yeah. Yeah, but, oh, but hey, everything's my. cool. I'm nothing's wrong. Oh, my <laughs> <Nothing's> God. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're thriving. And right. And yeah. sweat. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm in the honey hole. You are opening <laughs> up your cultural horizon. <laughs> Infinitely, yeah. <laughs> you went down there to get worldly, and your fucking world became a pinprick. Ooh. Oh my gosh, extreme close up. Um, so I think I'm fine. Cultural differences, yeah, yeah. And I'm not even halfway through this year trip. And uh, one night I get this at the dinner table, Matthew. We've decided that uh, for the duration of your stay here in Australia, you will uh, refer to us as Mum and Pop. Isn't this a horror? This is a horror, is a horror movie. movie. Yeah. 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 But again, I take the high road and I go, well, thank you for thinking of me that way. (laughs) And I remember, you'll love this, Dex. I remember saying this line and I remember it's clearly in my mind, like thinking I needed to give that comment some more context. I go, well, thank you for thinking of that that way, but I've got a mom and dad. And they're still alive. I remember throwing that little like, yeah. if I just throw that word in, that'll win the argument. They'll understand if I say, and they're still alive. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, and by the way, now you understand, right? Well, anyway, <laughs> and, and anyway, they'd add, uh, uh, as I said, for the duration of your study, you referred to as mom and pop. Well, I got to clean the dishes, made sure to go call everyone their name, not mom and pop, when I said goodnight. And the next morning, my alarm clock was a howling, shrieking voice of Mrs. Dooley screaming, Can you believe this? (laughs) So this is so horrifying. I go, you know, to her, and I mean, I really liked her. She was a really caring, 
lady and I go to her and put my arm around her and then we just have a cry fest and I'm going, man, you got your sons. You wouldn't want them calling anyone mom and dad. You wouldn't want me. And we uh, cried it out and hugged it comfort- out. You're 18 and you're comforting an adult. Yes. And anyway, went through the year, finally got you the Well, real, real quick, real quick. He, he eventually, thank God, went to the Rotary Club, I assume, and said, I, I, I'd yeah. like to try another thing. Not because I don't family. love it, but I just want to yeah. have as many experiences I, as I can. I didn't sell them under the bus or anything. And I just said, look, I'd love to. Is there any other families that could take me in? I mean, I got a year here. Could I maybe think, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it was tough times over there. The economy wasn't great. You take in a, another exchange student, you got another mouth to feed, but let me check into it. Well, the guy who had managed the bank that I worked at earlier as a, as a work experience shop agreed. I liked it. His family liked me. I liked him. They took me in. Hold on, hold on, hold on. There's one great thing. So he gets cleared to leave, and then he tells his host oh, family, the Dooleys, yes. that he's going to yeah, leave. Yeah, how is that going yeah. And they yeah. just basically ignore it for a day or two. They don't bring it up. And ignore it for four days. So this comes up. We agree on this. That I'm going to move out. Mr. Dooley agrees. Me, Mr. Dooley, and the president of the Rotary talk. It's brought up in the Thursday night Rotary meeting on a microphone in front of everybody. <laughs> Shane Suit Matthew's going to be leaving the Dooley. He's going to move over with the so-and-so. And everyone, hey, hey, and thank you to the Dooley's for paying such great hosts. Yay, thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you to the so-and-sos for taking Matthew next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, then we meet afterwards, hug out, shake hands, see you Tuesday. Uh, the guy who's going to pick me up that I worked with at the bank is going to pick me up Tuesday at 6 p.m. Great. All set. Then I ride home with Mr. Julie. Not a word is said about me leaving. We get home. Next day, not a word said. Dinner, silence the next day. Not a word said. No, oh the family God. knows now, but not a word said. The next day, that was Thursday. So Friday, nothing said. Saturday, nothing said. No group over for the family to come over for a goodbye dinner for our exchange student, Matthew. No, no, no. None of that. No one's there. Just our family. 5.30 dinner. Nothing said. Sunday. Again, nothing said. Monday. Not a word is said. It's just silence. I'm getting the silent treatment. And not one word of, oh, you're leaving. Tuesday night is come on. Tuesday. We're at dinner. Find my final sit down <laughs> with the Dooley's. I've got my iceberg lettuce and my ketchup. <laughs> you know, I'm here we go. I've been packed since last Thursday night. Now, I packed up that night when I got home once we agreed. And I'm sitting there going, like, this is so weird. This is so weird. I go back to my room after we eat. It's about 5.45. I've cleaned up. I'm quadruple checking my bags, man. Make sure I got everything, which I do. And all of a sudden, I get a knock on the door. I open it, and there's Mr. Dooley. <laughs> Hi, dude. We have decided that um, the duration of your stay, you'll be staying with us. So unpack your bags. You'll be staying with us for the duration of your stay in Australia. Again, I take the high road. Oh, my Mr. God. Mr. Dooley, thank you oh my God. For, well, for offering your home and your family. <laughs> Y'all been great. And, and you know, it's, it's my year over here. I just want to make sure I get with other families to have a different experience. Oh, 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 oh. As I said, unpack your bags. You'll be staying with us for the duration of your stay here in Australia. Well, I fucking lost it. <laughs> I threw a left hook through the door, and it was a plywood door. I'm in my arm going all the way through the other side. And I ripped it out, and the plywood had cut my arm all up, and I had blood running all down and wood shards and shit here. And I'm just freaking shaking. Probably got a piss spot just started on my crotch. And I sat there and I said, Mr. Dooley, you get your fat fucking ass out of my way right now, or I'm going to take you out the fucking back door and drag you down your gravel driveway, and you're going to be pulling fucking rocks out of your back for the rest of your fucking life. <laughs> Ha ha ha!
oh, and turned wow. around and scampered off down the hallway. And I'm going, what the fuck, man? Oh, he so found your breaking point. Yeah. Congratulations. I found a breaking point. I'm wiping yeah. sweat off my brow, go clean up my arm, pull the shards out, going, what's going on? All about it. Beep, beep, beep. I look at six o'clock. Guess who's here to pick me up? Yeah. <laughs> my next family. I get my fucking bags. I go down the hallway, past that office where he took me to tell me you can talk to Winston Churchill, and down uh. through the living room, out the kitchen, through the garage, into the and there's my my man Mako, and who's there to pick me up in his Land Cruiser, and around him, glad handing and hugging and drying tears is the Dooley family. Oh my god! Is it? This? And I roll my bags up, and they help put them in, and they're like, "Oh, you're such a great young lad. Oh God, this experience has been great. We're gonna miss you so much." And I'm going. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all too, man. You know what's going on? And even Mr. Dooley's drying a tear, man. Oh, wow. Oh, we're going to miss you. Man. I get in the car, we drive off. They sit at the top of the driveway, wave all the way to her back on the highway, and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Now, cut to five months later. It's my last night in Australia. The last five months were much easier. And less acid tripping. Yeah. <laughs> less twilight. So, yeah. I never found L, but still, oh. you know, we, we, everything, went, everything went well. I still maintain being celibate, actually. And I and, uh, came off the old iceberg lettuce and ketchup diet uh, yeah. a little bit and, and ran, you know, three miles instead of six, put yeah. on a little bit of weight. And still thought I might be going to South Africa to free, help free Mandela, but thought that maybe a monk wasn't my way in life because I wanted to communicate like people again. Yeah. <laughs> so we're around the last night doing what we always did, drinking port wine, playing guitar, reading Woody Allen side effects, laughing our ass off, telling stories. And all of a sudden, one of the families that I'd stayed with, they were all friends. The last three families I stayed with were all friends. One of them goes, hey, Maga, how in the bloody hell did you stay with the Dooley's hello? I was like, what are you talking about? What? He's like, oh, yeah, man. They're they're, they're mine, man. How'd you do that? I'm like, what? They start laughing. I'm aghast going, you fucking, you knew? Yeah. And they laugh even harder. Now we're all rolling around and I start laughing. And I was like, was this a big Aussie prank? (laughs) (laughs) Was this a six-month bit? Wow. I say it in the book. I mean, was I in a crisis? Sure. But I was denying there was a crisis. And there's great value in that. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now if I didn't have that year and that six months with those Dooleys. I was in high school, rolling, you know, popular, had money in my pocket, a four handicap. Little Mr. Texas. Little, little Mr. Mr. Texas. Texas. You still think you're Little Mr. Texas. <laughs> still yeah. think I'm Little Mr. Texas, right? And then all of a sudden, I run into a great amount of resistance and am forced to go inward because I have no crutches, I have no friends, I have no cars, I got no girlfriends, I got nothing. nothing. And I'm there at the Dooley's imploding, but it was good overall. And I, and I, I honestly know that I would not be sitting here now if I did not have that year over there. Yeah. 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 Stay tuned for more armchair expert. If you dare. We are supported by FrameBridge. FrameBridge, Monica's favorite place to put her beautiful prints into a nice, nice frame. FrameBridge makes it easy and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. Add a gallery wall to your home office or send a perfect gift from art prints and diplomas to the photos sitting on your phone. You can FrameBridge just about anything. Here's how it works. You just go to FrameBridge.com and upload your photo, and they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. You can preview your item online in dozens 
dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, armchairs get 15% off the first order at framebridge.com when they use my code DAX. Now, my favorite present I've ever received is an enormously blown up photo of my family that hers truly sent me. I did it. How easy was it? It was so easy and it makes such a perfect gift if you just get like a sentimental picture and get a beautiful frame for it. I just can't cherish it more. Get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use promo code DAX to save an additional 15% off your first order. Just go to framebridge.com, promo code DAX. Framebridge.com, promo code DAX. We are supported by BetterHelp. If you think you may be depressed or you're feeling overwhelmed or anxious, BetterHelp offers licensed online counselors who are trained to listen and to help. Talk with your counselor in a private online environment at your convenience. BetterHelp counselors have expertise in a broad range of areas, including anxiety, grief, depression, anger, trauma, and more. You and I are deeply in therapy. There's no two ways about it. I just had a glorious session on Monday and I really connected some dots. That's great. All the little triggers. Yes, they're just still in there. And I need to talk to somebody so they can help point that out to me and I can come up with a game plan. BetterHelp is a great place for you to start some therapy. Gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you got to do is fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then you get matched with a counselor in under 48 hours. You can easily schedule secure video or phone sessions with your therapist, plus exchange unlimited messages. BetterHelp is an affordable option, and armchairs get 10% off their first month with the discount code DAX. Get started today at betterhelp.com slash DAX. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Now I do just want to touch down on a couple things, which is, you more than anyone in a very applaudable way. You've jagged left, you've jagged right. You've, I think you've evaluated and you were like, this was good. Now I'm going to take a completely different mountain. I see that peak. I'm going to try to climb that. I just wonder, yeah, what is it that you learned there that has allowed you to go from my favorite performance, Malbatos is packing a 454 with 411 out back. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, to take that role and make it what it was and then have this, you know, time to kill experience yeah. and, then, and then be in a ton of hugely successful romantic comedies and then go like, okay, now I want to do something else. Those are all hard things to pop out of and pop into other right. things. And so you have some resilience and I'm curious, what is the process? And more importantly, in those periods just before you made these left or right turns, were you feeling humbled by it or were you feeling scared? Like what were those feelings that led up to yeah. those big jags? A lot of fear, but a lot of sleepless nights, not sleeping well with the life that I was, what I was doing, say work-wise or, or where I was heading. So a lot of fear from that. Cause I go between, I'm sure like you, man. I mean, on one hand, I'm so damn thankful Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Position. So on one hand, I'm going like, who the hell do you think you are to even be thinking like, oh, I want to get out of this. You're successful at what you do. You're making money. Look at where you live. So on one hand, I'm that. On the other hand, I'm like, well, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. I still respect that. I'm not being disrespectful to where I am. Right. You're not being ungrateful. No. Right. And I'm not going to be arrogant with it, but I know I want something different and I, I want to try and get it. And either I can go to it or... Like I did before, I took the two-year hiatus with no work when I got off of romantic comedies. If I can't get what I'm going toward, I'm going to, by process of elimination, stop doing what it is that 
I am doing and what is coming to me. Yeah. So I've had phases where I didn't rebrand. I unbranded by just going, I'm pressing full stop. Yeah. And I'm out. No one sees me. No one knows where the hell I am. So all of a sudden, two years later, McConaughey becomes a good idea, a new good idea. I've been pretty good when I look back at saying, I got to get the hell out of here because I got to hear myself think. I don't know who's wagging who. Whatever happens, I don't care if I fail at this career or what. I need to be wagging the dog and not, and not, not, not the tail wagging me. Yeah. It's almost like the analysis of when to leave a party, right? You're like, okay, that person's out of the party. That person's out of the party. I'm still standing here. Huh? It's either time yeah. for me to find a new party or I'm going to be the last one standing here. Yeah. Well, and the, and the hard part for me probably in particular is that my greatest strength is resilience. And I can look around at those people that party and go, why they quit so soon? Yeah. So I'll <laughs> stick with something, you know, and go, sure. I'm going to. So sometimes it's bulling through to the other side just persisting and enduring. I'm going to keep my head above water until I come out the other side and things will change for me. Sometimes it's like, no, I'm going to back up. I'm going to readdress this. I'm going to pivot, make a different decision. And there will be consequences that come with that and consequences that come with the, the uh, persistence part too. I think as much as I acting my celebrity, that's never for one second inside of me been like, oh, that's who you are. Oh, that's your identity. That's your existence. That's what I mean when I say where just keep living comes from. I mean, that's our right as humans first. Maybe it's the spiritual side. Maybe it's the family side. Maybe it's self-respect side of going, hey, are you being as true as you can to you right now, McConaughey? Okay, so, so what I really relate to is like I'm from a family of hustlers. My dad was a car salesman. My mom started as a janitor, built a business. Like I'm all about the hustle. So yes, I've been in these moments where I'm like, you got a much nicer house than you were ever supposed to have. You got... The cars you weren't supposed to have. So shut the fuck up. But then I yep. also am addicted to challenges. You know, right. that's really what I'm addicted to is I, I or, like that. That's the soul feeder is the, can I do that? that? That's it. Right. And let me go try it out. And then I'll know if it doesn't work, I can look in the mirror and go, yep, guilty. If it does work, I can also look in the mirror and go, yep, guilty. That's a great feeling. It's the unknown. When you're being wagged and you're like, how did I end up here? I'm not feeling any demarcation between events. It all feels like one thing and my feet aren't really on the ground. That limbo. It is a gilded cage, right? So what you're getting offered in that point in time is very hard to turn down. If you have the background that you had or that I had, which is like, who the fuck am I to say no to that many zeros? My family said that to me. Not Camilla, but my blood family. Yeah, and if I do, will I ever get those amount of zeros thrown my way? Because while well, I've yep. be, been seen as ungrateful and all these things, and well, did I did I jinx myself? Did I get yep. cocky? Why did I jackknife my situation? It was going well. So everyone out on the outside would go, you are catching green lights. But then that's for each of us to, we, only each of us can answer what our own personal green light is, you know? Would I be right from the outside to say that it's kind of Wolf of Wall Street, that's the breakthrough to where you wanted to go? creatively as an actor? Well, the first thing that came through is 20 months of dry. No offers came through, nothing. First, it was just romantic comedies that I said no to, and then it was just nothing for a year. And then the first thing that came my way was, I think, Killer Joe, uh, maybe it was Lincoln Lawyer, but I think it was that little run, Killer Joe, Paperboy, Magic Mike, Mud, Wolf of Wall Street, then Dallas Buyers Club, which I had control of Dallas Buyers Club, just no one wanted to make it with me. Yeah. And then it was a, a run there of like, oh, there's the dramatic fair that I want. I talk about it in the book. I mean, the romantic comedies were great. They were fun. It just got to where I felt like, oh, I'd read them and I'd go like, oh, I could do this tomorrow morning. And that's cool. I don't know if I wasn't getting complacent, but I was just warning. I didn't know how to do any more real work that would make me go, oh, oh, oh. 
And that's the theory I've got in the book about the art of running downhill. There's a lot of times where when it's easy, we should be damn appreciative it's easy and go, do not make this straight line crooked, bro. <laughs> you're, you're rolling downhill. Do not trip yourself and face plant. And you're also making a living doing this and you enjoy it. Don't get all heady on this situation. Yeah. There's other times where we go, I need a little resistance here. I need some gravity here. I need to run up against something that I, so I can mold something different yeah. of myself. So it's a fun one to measure in many, many different circumstances. Well, I think I told you when, when uh, we were sitting by that lake, mud for me is, that's probably my favorite movie of yours. There's something about it. I think yeah. from where I grew up and there's a Badlands kind of vibe yep. to it. It's yeah. so great. Everything's so patient, understated, yep. real, no hurry. It's, it's so awesome. Uh, that's a very special film to me and probably... I know it's one of my favorite, maybe my favorite, because, you know, my dad's been, been he moved on in 93, five days after I st started my first role in Days Confused, which was kind of serendipitous, that his life overlapped with me starting the first thing that would not, that would be more than a hobby. Yeah. But Mud, I've always seen my dad, and I see him when I daydream many times, coming to me and going, hey, buddy, you seen this movie, Mud? I'm like, no, sir. He's like, oh, come on, we're going we're gonna to watch that. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. I can just hear him with his arm around me saying, oh, it's a good one. Yeah. And that, that gives me tingles. So let's piss some people in Austin off right now by talking about how great it is. Because every time I do, people get pissed. <laughs> hey, you're going to make more people live here. Maybe I'm lying to myself. I feel like if I could, that's where I would live. There's something there. It's Barton Springs. It's barbecue. It's liberal hillbillies. I don't know what about that place, but the second I step foot down there and I see the grass growing up between the concrete and all the cool uh, manhole covers, they're all different from different times. Everything about it, I'm like, yep, this is where I'm supposed to be at all times. It's the people there. It is that mix. It's the blueberry and the tomato soup of Texas. That freedom and progress, progressive thinking that Austin has, next to the backbone being the capital, traditional legislation, and, and surrounded by a vertebrae of red counties, is part of what makes it beautiful. If it was surrounded by more blue, I don't know that Austin would be the place it is. You're right. There is a unity there. And at the same time, it's a come one, come all. All you got to do is be yourself place. It's not yeah. saying stay out red counties. No, it's right. going, no, we're still wearing boots and scraping shit off our boots in Austin too. You know what I mean? So it's a great push-pull with the university. So you got 50,000 students right here at an institution which has youth coming up, liberal arts, questioning things, progress. And across the street, you've got the Capitol. And there's the suits and ties and the backbone of a legislation that has been around for a long time, tradition. And where those two reach out and engage and play is the honey hole. You yeah, know what I mean? That yeah. push-pull. If the capital wasn't there and we weren't surrounded by the residents, our identity could sort of pander out and become a little too obtuse. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a weird, wonderful yin-yang that is just palpable when you get there. My yeah. last question for you. So I have many times on here expressed deep gratitude that I don't have sons. I am so glad that I don't have to be in the position where I tell the son, listen, you're just going to have to knock that motherfucker out. I'm sorry, you're getting picked on. You want you can get picked on the next eight years or you can blast this dude once in the nose and that'll be that. I don't want to be a part of that cycle. And yet I don't 
know what other advice I could give. And I also don't want to fight my son when he's 18. Like I'm so informed by my childhood that I don't know how I would transition into this world. I certainly want my kids to live in. So I just wonder with you having boys, Mm -hmm. how have you set that course? Great question, because I'm in process on that, obviously. My, my sons are 12, the one that came in and brought me the yogurt a minute ago, seven, and then they have a sister in the middle. I would say that is one way, right there. They have a sister in the middle. Mm. In some form or fashion, boys, you're going to be younger, Livingston, you're going to be older, Levi, and you're going to be in the same school a lot of times. Y'all look out for your sister in whatever fashion that she's your sister. Now, you got to look out for each other as well and yourselves, but that's, that's your, your sister. Look out for her. Uh, and you're going to know the boys that like your sister. Now, you be real honest. Do you condone? Do you approve? Because we're going to go to you. When your sister gets first date, I'm going to go to you. You know you know that boy. Is he a good young man? Is he worthy of taking your sister out? So giving him a sense of that is one. You know, I've got one child that is, a, is very much a pacifist that he's going to turn the other, wants to turn the cheek every time. With him, I have to lean in with going, hey, that's beautiful. At the same time, people will try and take advantage of that. And we'll sit there and keep pushing it if you don't stand up for yourself and fight back. And so there will come a time probably on that proverbial playground where you're going to stand up and physically do something. Or, I've said this and it's happened before, you know what your answer is to that kid on the soccer field that's picking on you? You go down right now and score on his ass. And just when you go by, don't gloat. Or, or you go guard him. Tell your coach you want to guard him. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and then beat him. Yeah. And beat him. And don't say a word. Right. Do that as your version. The other child is much more physical. And of him, he's more the one I'm looking at going, you don't have to hit everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know what you I mean? can talk some of these out too. <laughs> yeah, you, could, you, you can. And, he, and he's by no means any, uh, a brute or a bully, but he's much more physically confident and, and would be the one that would much more quickly go, oh, yeah? Yeah, and you see him work it out between themselves a lot too, though. Mm. Uh, especially in these COVID times where we're not on the playground with everyone in the school physically. You see them work it out. I mean, our youngest one has tested our oldest one because he's actually more physical and will come at you harder. And the oldest one is faster, though, and a little smarter at things. And I've talked to him about, all right, if you don't want to engage with Livingston on the physical side, just outwit him. Yeah, judo him. him. Judo him. You know, and so, so just tee it up to where you trick him. And he'll be like, oh. How'd you get the last piece of cake? I thought I said, because <laughs> I knew where to put it or whatever that is. So, I mean, I'm still navigating year by year, day by day yeah. with, with them. And as I'm told, it's about to get all more complicated because those teens come up. And <laughs> we'll see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to get that oil of mink out. <laughs> oil of mink start, out, baby. Start, start conditioning that skin. Get it glowing. <laughs> well, that's, you know, the other, another big question here, and, 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 and you know this, man, in being in the affluent positions we're in, coming from similar backgrounds where we had different resistance and given to us in different ways. From where we live to what we drive to how we were raised, disciplined, everything else. How do we give our children the right amount of resistance to be autonomous individuals? Because if we're saying yes all the time and going, yeah, just use all this influence. It's who we are. It's how life is. Yeah. We're doing them a disservice. I know. I think about it all the time. I'm like, I I look at my kids. I go, they got a goddamn swimming pool in their backyard. I knew one kid in my town with a swimming pool. Yeah, how can you tell me? What do you mean you're bored? You're (laughs) bored? Well, that's good. Now go figure it out. You're not turning on the tube. You know, whatever that is. Yeah. I also think like, oh my God, like I grew up somewhere where I wanted to go somewhere. There was a Shangri-La and I wanted to visit, but 
they're already here. So I'm like, I don't know where are they going to want to go? You know, it's all interesting. And at the same time, we want our children to own the affluence that we have. Yeah. Don't yeah, do yeah. any false modesty. Like, no, my dad and mom aren't there. They're not. No, yes, we are. Yeah. Keep yep. your chin high. You know, yeah. when someone says, oh, I bet you live in big house. So don't get shy and go, oh, to feel, don't feel guilty about this. Own it. Yeah. You know? and, and acknowledge your privilege and know that you've got a responsibility to help people. That's, yep. that's yep. that. you know, I had a responsibility to try to go get all this shit. Now you got a responsibility to help other people who don't have this shit. Yep. And take it up a notch in another way. But what do you know? We talk about this until a lot of time in our family. We all want relevance, but we need to ask ourselves first, relevant for what? You know, mm. and what's America say success is right now? Well, generally, fame and money. Sure. Well, that value system's a little out of place. We try to talk to kids. It's not about the bigger thing is better always. You mm. know, I have that thing in the book about when you can, ask yourself if you want to before you do. Yeah. You know, you get all yeah. these things. Uh, you and I grew up in ways where if you get offered something, you go, yeah, I mean, shoot, I never had the option before. And then you have to go, wait a minute, do I really like my jeans pressed? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, yeah. and, and also, yeah. I'm sure you've had the same experience I did, which is like, okay, I got all these things I thought were going to magically make me feel a certain way. And then I had those things and said, oh, no, I still need purpose. I don't, I haven't given myself purpose. That Me fucking yes. saying lines in front of a camera ain't purpose. Right. Right. And I think that's the ongoing thing. You know, I mean, I, I've got a, uh, that Langston Hughes poem, America yet has really been sticking in my mind with so much about not just for America, for the world, for each of us individually to realize that we never arrive. Right. But if we just stay in the race and commit to the chase and go, ah, well, I mean, we're trying to achieve the unachievable. And so just keep trying it to stay on the adventure of it. And that's when, if you're a believer, that's where I think God's going, there we go. Yeah, I think a lot of the general anxiety is the, the fantasy that we will achieve this utopia and then we will build a wall around it. But that is not how this is all working. Every single generation after us is going to want to take it somewhere else. And that's the given. Yes, yeah. indeed. You're awesome. Your fucking book is so well written and so fun to read. I cannot wait to finish it because I got to find oh. out about the peyote in the cave. And is there an audio version? Yeah, I did, and I and I and do the do audio it. version. Oh, too. that's oh, great! That's I read for me. I perform a lot of those characters we were talking about. Oh, that's oh, awesome. When color. is that out? The audio version. Uh, I think the same date, October twentieth. October twentieth. Okay. Oh, this is great. Oh, if I could hear you telling the I stories know. I just read. Yeah, it was fun to do the audio too. But thanks for talking about it, man. I, I quite enjoyed talking to you. And it's been too long since we sat around that lake and said we were going to do it. And here yeah. we are. And next time, maybe we'll do it in person. Yeah, can't wait. You're wonderful. We do have rhythm. I was right. And I can't wait to see <laughs> you correct. again next. All right. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you too. All right. Be Bye. good, man. Okay. Amen. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Here we go. It is fact check. Fact check time at the Apollo. I don't know that song. That's not a song. I just put together a bunch of words and they barely went together. I thought it was the song that you love from Lost in Translation. Oh, midnight at the oasis. Oh. Put your camel to bed. <laughs> that one? Yeah. <clears throat> oh my God. It That's the one. It gives me the worst feelings. Ickies. Really icky feelings. Because I think the woman was staring into Bill Murray's eyes while she sang that quote sexy song and it just Eesh. wasn't sexy yeah owie boy taking a big swing on being sexy is is scary 
I know, but also like necessary, You got to right? do it. You got to do it. But you got to figure out what is sexy and what is just too perverse. Well, sexy is authentic. <laughs> How about this? Know your fucking audience. Well, okay. yeah. Authentic is a great, thank you. That's probably the key. Yeah, because if she was trying to be sexy, that's what's cringy. Yeah, that's the rough part. <laughs> yep. Also, again, now on to step two, which is less important, know your audience. Agreed. You know? But if it's a stranger, in that case, it was a stranger, you can't know your audience. Wasn't it a Well, how about this? Up? You go, um, you go, midnight at the U. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Can you imagine? Like you would see pretty quickly and then you just try to play it Take off like it was turn. a joke. Okay. Right? I'm down with that. But then what if that guy, the audience actually hates jokes? And so then you have to do, Ooh, so no. take three, okay? Okay. Midnight at the Oasis. Bad look. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Can you imagine? And can you imagine if I made jokes all the time? That would be the worst. I hate jokes. Let's fuck. Hey, you handled that well. Did I steer back? Yeah, um, it was a parallel park situation. Parallel park, parallel park. That was good. Uh, your buddy Callie's in town. Yes, mm. my BFF. Your Aaron Weekly. Is in town and it is lovely. And it, she's living in London. London. And I asked her for some intel about your theory on brake oh. pedals. So we asked her about some intel about the brake pedal. Because she's been there for since January, so oh, going on 10 months. Yes. Yeah. And from what I heard, I can't give specifics, but from what I heard- It seems very true. It seems a little true it's that the hard, men- Hard for you to admit. <laughs> I'm going to say a little true. <laughs> okay, you leave, you leave a little wiggle room. I don't know that it's that the women ha don't have a brake pedal, but it does seem like the men do oh. have more of a brake pedal in the English culture than here. And just act in general more of the role that a female would play here. Conventionally, yes. Anyway, I just thought you'd find that interesting because we can never really find real data on that. And um, she's doing some research for us. Yeah, we got a nice piece of anecdotal data <laughs> that supported my theory. Uh, <laughs> did you take her to your new house? I'm taking her today. Okay. Can I tell you something that you have to get at your new house? Yes. Okay. You're going to get annoyed by this because I'm <laughs> in love with the entire product line. But another thing, Delta faucet. Oh, tell me about <laughs> okay. part three. Listen, another thing, Delta sent Delta faucets, is this glass rinser. Oh, okay. I gotta say, I, I maybe I've seen one at a restaurant. What does that before. mean? Before, okay. Well, let's just start with the problem. My complaint, and I know you have it too. You want to clean out a glass, oh. and you cannot get the sponge in there and your hand to get the yes. corners that seam where the base of the cup meets the walls of the cup. Uh, I have a particularly hard time doing it with our blender bottles that I shake up oh all my, my drinks God. in. There's so much residue <clears throat> left. And, yes, and so, and so what you do is then then I, w I resorted to getting this big, stupid, long scrubber. That doesn't work either. No. And it And it takes up way too much room on the sink. So then it's under the sink. The whole Ugh. thing is a pain in the neck, and I hate it. The glass rinser, all you do, girl, is... You set the glass upside down <gasps> on this sprayer. The glass rinser oh has a super high-powered water jets, and it reaches every little corner. What? And all you do is psh, 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 psh. you set it down, and you look at the glass, and it's spotless. Oh my! I I want that. Um, my coffee cups. Another time that I really hate. I hate cleaning those coffee cups. 
put it on the glass rinser, high power jets, done. Also, I really wish we had it when we had baby bottles. That was because I have so much anxiety that you really want to get your baby bottles clean, obviously, because your baby's drinking out of it. You don't want any gunk in there. And those are nearly impossible to clean because the the mouth is so narrow. Dang. These people are geniuses. (laughs) They're they're revolutionizing the kitchen. There's no question about it. They're also incredibly easy to install. You you must have it at your new house, okay? okay? And in fact, I'm getting one for sure when we build the new attic. You are? Absolutely. We need that for our $2,000 mugs. Well, These expensive lefty mugs are just floating around this attic dirty. They are. I hate to say that. Because we don't have a glass rinser here. But we're going to get one. Yes. I'm going to take her there to the house. Okay. um, And then I'm probably, I would like to figure out a way for us to eat Houston's. Oh, that's going to be toughy. I might have to be a pickup, which doesn't sound fun. Yeah. That's, uh, that's going to, oh. Oh, 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 oh. That reminds me. I bought a new car yesterday, a new old car. (laughs) Yeah. And I had to ride my electric bicycle out because I didn't have anyone to get me. You did? Yeah. Well, because you have COVID. I do not. Don't say that. But you had Callie there and you hadn't been, you had been tested, but the results weren't in yet. Yes. So I couldn't hang with you. That's right. So I had to ride my electric bicycle over to get this new car. How far was it? Well, it was out in uh, Mount Washington, which is, I was not far from Pasadena. I could have just kept on going into Houston's. Wow. That is a long way you rode your bike. Well, I rode it even further when I dropped off my last purchase, the 454 SS, when I dropped that off further away than the airport. What? Yes, you don't know. I told you the story. And then I rode my bicycle, my electric bicycle back 26 miles through a war zone. And remember I was saying, oh my God, the city's got so many facets to it. Anywho, I don't I, think I remembered it was that far. Jeez. This was not far. This was only five miles. You know, the Houston says the crow flies is probably only seven and a half miles from here. But, you know, through the highway system in L.A., it can be a beat down. Oof. Anyways, are you going to drive out there and get it? I don't know. TBD. We are not supported by Houston's. I just want to say that. But we are um, mentally supported by Houston's because we love it so much and it brings us joy. We do. I haven't eaten there in so long and it breaks my heart. I I like the environment. The food is off the charts, but the environment is really special. It's very sexy in there. That's where the woman could have sang that song and it would have worked. The context would have would have bolstered, would have buffeted, would have would have buttressed. It would have her supported her performance. Mm-hmm. The and lighting would be just musky enough that you'd be like, yeah. Dun- uh, bum, ba- dun- like, I'm into it. Yeah. Put your camel to bed. Why does someone put their camel to bed? Does that mean you tuck it in? And Two options. One, you've misheard. Yeah, likely, likely. And two, the camel cigarette put it out. Oh, no, but an oasis is, exists in a desert where you ride camels across. It's clearly a, a Arabian Nights-themed song. Oh. Midnight or, at the Oasis. But is, Put is, your camel to bed. Could the Oasis be a club and it's saying oh. um, lights out? What's it called? Last call. Last call. Don't let the door hit you in the ass. Well, the only Oasis that was in my area growing up was the standard gas station oasis truck stop where timothy mcveigh planned the oklahoma city bombing do you know that for real for real oh my you know because he's part of the michigan militia oh in this gas station is was just five miles from my house wow you could have stopped him i should have stopped it if you get to time travel yeah i know you're gonna go hang out with my grandma and do naughty things yeah that i won't want to hear about 
Although, remember, I amended that, and I really just want to take Brad Pitt back with me so that those two can make love and I can witness it. That's true. But also, um, while you're, like, in route, can you stop Timothy McVeigh? Would you? Okay, this is a, this is, well, first. Oh, you're. What? This is a trap, but go ahead. Why is it a trap? Because I'm going to, there's going to be an ethically correct question, and there's going to be what I'd really want to do question. No. Do you feel like if you could time travel, you would go back and change something like that? Something big. Man, is it's it's always so hard to say. I wouldn't. You well, you wouldn't kill Hitler. I <laughs> Yeah, it is hard to say because <laughs> I think people would be mad at me. That's but what, it's yeah. like the movie Frequency. I don't know if you remember that movie with I think We're, Dan Quaid Quail Quaid. <laughs> Dan name? Quaid. That's his name. <laughs> Um, I think it's Dan Quaid. No. <laughs> the, uh, it's it not. Up. It's Daniel Quaid or Danny Quaid. Da- Daniel Quaid. It's Daniel Quaid. Okay. And so, his brother, Randy Quaid. Dennis. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oopsies. Sorry, Dennis. Dennis is a great actor who I like a lot. So He is very silly good. that I. Yeah, great balls of fire. He played Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, he's got a great body. He boxes. Uh, you know, he's you a, know everything about him. But his name. He was married to your girl from uh, You Got Mail. Meg Ryan for years. Yeah, really. You got it. You got mail. <laughs> you got it, mail. Okay. Well, frequency. So oh. in that movie, um, he's communicating with his son exactly, over shortwave radio. That's right. And he's dead. He's mm. a firefighter and he dies at the beginning. So of course the son mm-hmm. wants to stop that. Oh yeah. And yeah. it's turns out you shouldn't do that. Or let's take a lesson from Back to the Future when Biff takes that sports almanac, like a, a list of victories, and then he becomes super rich. And then we that's can't. Right. Yeah. It's really hard to say because you know. Well, World War II, it's hard. But, you know, all you'd have to do, you wouldn't have to kill Hitler. You'd have to go back and kill the assassins of Archduke Ferdinand. So then there'd be no World War One, Right. But here's the but thing. But then. Wh- Guess what? There probably would be a World War One. Like the uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire probably would have invaded some shit. They had an excuse. I don't know. It's hard to know. It's so hard to know. But what if you killed Hitler and the second you stabbed him in the gullet, you vanished because somehow That's by killing him That's right. led to a different version of how we discovered the nuclear bomb. That's right. And maybe everyone had it at once. And then maybe it was all our nuclear assault the first time they were used. And maybe there's no humans here. Exactly. That is a lesson from frequency. Mm-hmm. You bring one person back to life, some other people go. Mm. God, okay. God, what a movie. What a great tale. What a great lesson. I wonder how many people were like on the fence about whether they wanted to time travel or not. And they saw that and they go, well, that settles it. I'm not going to do it. I mean, I kind of thought that, thought about it. You did? Well, I would definitely time travel. I would just try not to tinker with anything. Yeah, but you would. If you yeah. brought Brad, if you brought Brad. If you brought, if you, if you brought Broad Pitt. If you brought him to my grandma, you are, you're going to vanish me. If you oh, because you think she won't be able to get enough of it. Well, obviously. Is it that I'll vanish you or you'll be even prettier because you'll have half of Brad Pitt's DNA in you? It won't be me. You you understand that, right? Like, It'd person. be you, exactly you, but you'd be better at riding motorcycles. <laughs> no. One time I 
you know, I think this is a thing kids think a lot. Like, okay. I think I was telling Delta about this way too young. Um, but she is a very big brain. She could understand it. Yeah. Not the faucet. Delta, your daughter. Oh, right. We're not supported by Delta, the daughter, just so everyone Well, knows. we are. Again, like we're supported by Houston's. We're supported <laughs> okay. by them emotionally. Oh, okay. That's true. So Delta, the daughter, said something about then that person would be my mom or dad uh, uh-huh. or something. And I said, well, actually, no. If mommy had a baby with a different person, it wouldn't be you. It would be a new person that's a mix of Uh, mommy and that person, and it wouldn't be you. She didn't care. Oh, good. Yeah. But anyway, so if Brad Pitt and my grandma engage in sexual activity. Sexual Congress. Which is likely. Oh, God. If um, they saw each other. Even, okay, here's the thing. This is how slight it is, even if they do. Mm-hmm. And my grandpa and my grandma still have the same life, like just extra, yeah. just one night. She has a little secret that yeah. she keeps tight in her heart. <laughs> and at night, she, you know, maybe she lets the fingers do the walking oh, and my. remembers that evening with Brad Pitt, who what, arrived in a spaceship. The, oh, fingers well, do that, the walking is masturbating? Be, well, it used to be a phone book saying for the yellow pages, let your fingers do the walking. And their logo was two fingers walking. Because people would go through the pages. They'd flick the pages like this. Okay. So I'm now using that. Please don't sue me, Yellow Pages, if you're in existence (laughs) still. Uh, You could let your fingers do the walking. Wow, it's a euphemism for masturbation. For your grandma. Okay. Granny masturbation. I don't want to (laughs) get. Granny bation. I guess it'd be grandma bation. Grandma masturbation. Grandmasturbation. Yeah, grandmasturbation. Yeah. Grandmasturbation. It sounds like grandmaster flex a little bit. It sounds a little raunchy. No, it sounds a little like uh, white supremacist. Grandmasturbation. Something about oh, like grandmaster. Yeah. Oh yeah, with all the clan members, exactly. they have those goofy titles like dragon master and exactly imperial knight of the seventh kingdom. But I guess I could also think of it in terms of Harry Potter. I'll think of it in that way. Terrence Bosner. Yeah. So my grandma and Brad Pitt engage, even if it's just one time random night, mm-hmm. still the mix of over the uh, egg. Ovum? The egg that would have been, um, the egg that would have been <laughs> mixed up with my grandpa's sperm to make my mom. No, no, hold on a second. She's not getting pregnant, but I'm, Brad, I'm going to tell Brad to pull out. And we're going to visit her in a moment in her cycle where she's not ovulating. This is going to be. I don't a, think this isn't going to yield that. a baby. Oh, well, of course you can plan. <laughs> listen, that. listen, listen. So the birth not a baby, pillars. not a baby. But what if because she has sex with Brad, she she doesn't. She has a period. Okay. Okay. I don't know how that's going to affect that. <laughs> yeah, but because ahead. some eggs are going to get released during her period. Oh, you mean why does Brad? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, okay, Brad I'll tell you why. Hold on. Brad can't affect your grandmother's ovulation. Let me tell you something about okay. her period. Okay. Right. When Brad comes over, it's a Friday night. Uh-huh. She's going to start her period on Saturday. Okay. Okay. So she, instead of having sex with my grandpa to make my mother, she has oh, sex with no. Brad. No, okay, no, no. Friday. Okay, back yep. up, back and he pulls up. out. Everything's fine. Okay. Then he leaves. He mm-hmm. comes back to 2020. Uh-huh. And she has her period. Back. Well, hold on. Just to be clear, he's coming back to 1997. I'm going to swing in and get Legends of the Fall, Brad Pitt, to have sex with oh, your grandma. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I yeah, forgot so about anyways, that. Just, okay. yeah, I got a couple stops to make. Okay. Um, 
So then she has her period. Mm -hmm. So then after that, she has sex with my grandpa and makes a girl. But that girl's not my mom because my mom was the period egg. That still, that doesn't make any sense. I think it does. No. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah, because the egg that's coming out in one period is not the same as the more different eggs. How does Brad Pitt affect grandma's cycle? I told you, this is so easy to follow. Oh, you're saying that she had sex with Brad instead instead. of on the day of conception? No, 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 no. I can look up when Nirmala was born. Okay. And I can backdate that. And I'll get Brad in there before they that moment. Okay? This is so easy to do correctly. (laughs) Without any butterfly effect. Oh, yeah. Butterfly effect. Another one. Yeah. Man, this is a really well-worn thought experiment. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't invent, we're, we're diving I didn't into, invent it. We're, no, we're diving into a lot of well-worn material. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, Matthew McConaughey, speaking of movie stars, speaking of hot, hot movie stars. There's few people. Well, there's no one I would want to trade lives with. I like mine the most. Yeah. But if at gunpoint I was either going to dematerialize and never have existed or jump into someone's body, yeah, he'd be high on my list. What about Brad? I think Matt's having more fun. Wow. I think he's having a lot of fun. I've met his wife. She's absolutely stunning and nice and smart and yes. lovely. Yes. He lives in my favorite place already. That's true. He drinks successfully. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. As you could do worse. You could. He might. We could should, definitely. By the way, we should commit some real time to who would be our backup body. Okay. All right. I like. So I'm this. just. I'm throwing him in there right now. There might be others that that end up passing him, but I don't. I can't you think like, of one now. I would trade bodies with. Mm. Well, it's not just trade bodies. It's, it's the you're whole. Them. You're them. Okay, if I'm them. Bill Gates? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's passed. Yeah. Oh, do they have to be alive? Of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I can't pick like uh, Stalin. Well, then I would have lived that life and I would have felt happy. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, not as Stalin, but. No, no, as no. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. Okay, well, let me think of someone alive. Yeah, thriving, <laughs> comparable age, preferably. Ooh. Maybe Michelle Obama. Oh, really good. Yeah, that would be and a And you could life. sleep with your dream lover. Yeah, and I look, mine's the opposite of yours. I'm not picking a life that's easy. I know, you want to be proud of yourself, and I want yeah. to have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already, I feel like I'm already burdened with trying to <laughs> do the other thing, and it seems nice to just have a good time. Yeah, I'm not interested in that. Yeah, you don't want a good time. <laughs> no. For a good time, don't call me. <laughs> Although, I know who you might be. Ooh, who? Michael Jordan. Well, I hadn't thought about boys. I might be Tom Brady. Really? Although, I don't know, he's not having as much fun as McConaughey. Jordan? I would not pick. I might pick Zazzy Beats so I could stare at myself in the mirror all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I would never need to do anything but stare in the mirror. You know who I'd pick? Who? Well. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'd probably pick, I was going to say Jennifer Aniston, obviously. Oh, yeah, you would she, have been on Friends. I would have been on Friends and married. Brad. That's right. Pitt. Or Dave Chappelle. <gasps> You'd want to be him. 
I would definitely want. You'd be real proud of yourself I'd if be, you were him. I'd be so proud of myself. I'd be enlightened. <laughs> I'd be magical. I'd be a genius. That'd yeah. be exciting. Yeah, he seems to have a good time. He's been through the ringer too. He's been, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he made a decision of high integrity. Mm-hmm. He navigated right out of it. In the calmer waters and weather. I I was thinking about him last night as I was um, falling into my slumber. And are you, uh, is this a boy girl difference? When you like someone that much, are you horny for them? So I am not horny for Dave Chappelle. Okay. But I am. You want his respect. More than anything. And I'm never going to get it. No. There's no, (laughs) what would he, what would he be? Hey, hey. Hey. Oh, no. Uh, well, I just don't think we do. The things that the people that he seems well, to admire, to... hold on, are like really talented hip-hop artists. That seems to be who he respects a lot. He, he hangs out with a ton of hip-hop artists. That's why Talib's friends with him. He hangs out with enlightened people. Yeah, who also can slang great verse. Well, no, can Bradley... No, and they're friends. No, but he is a He's better actor exclusive. than us. He's a much better actor than us. Okay, I'm going to quit Uh-oh. everything. Oh, and no. then I'm going to start a new profession where <laughs> Dave Chappelle will respect me. Oh, well, we got to find out what it could, it would be. He, of course, would respect you. I'm having fun. You don't do the things that I feel like he's drawn to. He's probably not going to cross paths with me. Yeah, I No, feel actually, like he... I'm not going to say that. I, I'm going to will that into being. Okay. And we're going to be friends. Okay, great. Would you be satisfied just being best friends with him, but he doesn't respect you? No. I'd rather us not cross paths if that were the case. All right, here's your options. Okay. One is he has the most undying respect for you. Like he's listened to all 250 episodes and he's like, this is the best woman on planet earth and I never want to meet her. Yeah. Or you are best bros with Dave Chappelle. You hang with him. You go to his live shows in the cornfield in Ohio. He like runs material by you. You guys go out to eat. You get to hear all of his interesting points of view on every little topic under the sun. And you're besties. I think you would. But listen, you think I'd pick the first one. I do. (laughs) And that's horrible. It's just ego, I think. But listen, that is ego. But I'm also smart enough to know which is why he respects me because I'm smart enough to know this. Okay. That the situation you just laid out is impossible. Why? You can't be, he especially can't be because he has such high integrity. Mm-hmm. He can't be that close with someone running material by them and not respect them. I have zero people in my life who are in my top but tier who scenario, I don't respect. In this hypothetical I created, yeah. that is the case. Okay, well. They're like, who do you love more than anyone? He, he'd be like, Monica, who's who's the most fun to be around? Monica, do you respect her? No. That's oh, what. That's how it goes. My God. Because like, what does that mean? Or respect her? I like her. That's what's important. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I hate this question. I'm breaking through more stuff than your therapist. I think I'd pick the second because he'd want me to pick the second and I'd gain his respect. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) The worst pick. Okay. So I only have one fact for Matthew. Okay. Good, because we ate up all of his time with a bunch of hypotheticals about Brad fucking your mom, getting remarried. No, not my mom. I mean, your granddaddy. (laughs) 
granddiddles. He's, well, he's fucking over my granddaddy. Grand masturbation, which <laughs> maybe is racist. Mm, yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, the glass sprayer is unparalleled. Oh, yeah. And, okay, and now we're here to and the fact. And Dave Chappelle, in my yeah. respect. <laughs> or lack Lies in the balance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, Laura sent me one fact. It's who is the real little Mr. Texas? Oh, wow, is it known? Listen, I can't find it, but I can find he was runner up. Yes, I as found we learned. That. That's another thing I'd gain if I took over his life is I would have been runner up in a beauty pageant. <laughs> I didn't have a shot at that in my real life. <laughs> you couldn't find the real life little Mr. No, Texas? I saw a list of the people, uh-huh. but it didn't say who was the winner. Oh. And there were a few people who were like, my brother was in that pageant with Matthew McConaughey, but nobody is claiming... Well, because he was so disparaging about their advantage, their financial advantage, they're embarrassed. Oh, man. I hope this leads to us finding out. If you know the real winner of the Little Mr. Texas, is it Little Mr. Texas? That's right. (laughs) I'm so sorry. If you are the winner, I don't mean to laugh at it. 1977. If you're the winner of 1977 Little Mr. Texas pageant and or you know who won, and better yet, if you're associated in any way and you can put us into contact with them, we'll interview them. I'll say that right now. We'll do it on a fact check, right? <laughs> yes, we will. But we need photographic evidence and shit. Not that you and I would know if it was faked or not. Uh, yeah, we're going to need some hardcore evidence. <laughs> I'm going to run it by Dave Chappelle. Okay, yeah, he'll know. know. He can sniff out a fake in a second. <laughs> he doesn't respect you at all. But he wants to go on every vacation he ever takes in his life with you. <laughs> all right. Well... Look, we got to get Dave Chappelle on here, if for no other reason than to settle this debate. He is my number one guest. That's a really good number one guest. Thank you. Yeah. Man, if if for me, boy, between him and Bill Murray, that's a, that's a real, that's a. That's a tough one. That's a Sophie's choice. I get that. Oh, I never really wrapped this up real oh, quick. Sorry. So he was on the Letterman interview show that's on Netflix. I watched it last night. So I went to bed. Dave Chappelle, not oh, Bill Murray. Right, right, right. Dave Chappelle. And I went to bed thinking about him in my slumber. No, I was not horny for him. Right, that right, right. Thank ding, you. Ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. But I did think, wow, this person is an anomaly. Okay, okay. And he is a gift to this earth. Uh huh. You think he's a <laughs> Don't god? Laugh. Oh well, I'm just you're you're you are teetering into deity status. Well, no, I don't think he's he a takes deity. Shits and stuff. Of course, you know? yeah, of yeah. course. I I don't mean that. And he doesn't want to be that. He yeah. makes that very clear. He right. doesn't want to be anyone's leader or anyone's anything. He's not comfy with it. But it's because of that. Have that I already aired my grievances against the Dalai Lama in here? I don't know. If- it's not the time or place. Yeah, okay, I don't, all right, I don't think okay. we should do that. Okay. All right, um, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love you. Love you. Good night. <laughs>